to episode nine of Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is the man in the stripes, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Oh, another lovely day here at the Hebner household. Uh, a little tired again this week. Uh, just getting home yesterday. Had a rough travel day. But um, much better than I was in previous weeks. Yeah, got to love those uh, canceled flights and rescheduled flights and being in hours and hours later, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 part of the deal, man. It is. Uh, it is what it is, and, and you have no control on it. Uh, you just kind of got to roll with the punches and uh, pray that everything works out from where it got messed up at. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, no kidding. But no, a lot, a lot of good stuff happening this week in professional wrestling, and even with the show too. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good responses from a lot of people. We got a big shout out from. Uh, Mr. John Elba over on the uh, ad free shows network there. So big props to him. Big thank you to him. Uh, and uh, a lot of good things going in the right direction. Uh, uh, Brian. Yeah. So. yeah, they are. It's, um, it's actually really nice to see, man. And uh, everything's picking up traction wise. And, uh, you know, once again, I know I probably overstate it, but I don't think there is any way to overstate it, but I just really want to thank everyone for tuning in each and every week and uh, going to the, on this ride with us. Yeah. And another big shout out before we get to our first count, big shout out to um, AJ McKay uh, for yeah. that fantastic, fantastic entrance I've, or entrance music. Uh, I've gotten nothing but positive responses from that, Brian. Everybody thinks it's on fire and I'm like, well, go big or go home at this point. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I, I tell you, every time I hear it, man, it just makes me feel proud. It's, it's, uh, it's really a cool opening. And um, he did such a marvelous job and I can't thank him enough. And, He's just awesome at what he does. Um, you, you, people out there really just don't realize how much they watch TV, and he's all over it. I mean, right. he's all over everything. If you go look into the show notes now, his website's there in the show notes. Go check him out. See, you'll, you once you look, he, listen to some of his uh, audio portfolio there, you'll know exactly what commercials that, uh, that you hear on TV a lot of the times. So, But with that being said, let's send it up to the first count for this episode. So like I mentioned, Brian, we had a big week in professional wrestling. Uh, we actually have a new number one contender for the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, EY Eric Young is the number one contender for Josh Alexander's Heavyweight Championship, and they'll be facing off at Slammiversary there in Nashville. Uh, dude's been done it all in Impact, TNA, everywhere he's gone. He's made an impact, pun intended. No, he has, man. Um, you know, just what last episode we were talking about who could be next for Josh Alexander. Um, so, and we weren't thinking of many of the, the many of the you know of the next answer for that. And so, uh, EY is a, a great, great guy to put in front now. Mm -hmm. um, 
he's held the world title in impact uh, several times. And um, he's just going to be a boss to the wall for, 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 for Josh. It's going to be a really good match, man. I'm, I'm really excited about it too. And, and Bob, you know, backstage, just uh, being around them both. They're, they're both really, really like really excited about what they kind of match they can have together. Yeah. And you can't really, in my opinion, you may agree or disagree with this, uh, Brian, but you can't really have a slam anniversary without Eric Young on the card. No, that'd be tough, man. I mean, he is, uh, he is in back, you know, well, even when he was up with, up north with the WWE, it's just like you're trying to watch. And I was even watching Impact when <laughs> I still, I'm still watching it. But regardless, it's, it's it was tough watching TNA, Impact, what have you, without him on it. And he was just one of those guys that reinvented himself time and time again. And he's just got one of those great minds for the business. Uh, and going against a guy like Josh Alexander, you, you can't say enough good things about him. No, not at all. You know, here's the thing with, with EY. He, he just – he's got more charisma and more character in him than, than any guy you're ever going to find in this business. He's a hell of a worker and just – man, he's just he, – he's got it all. I mean, I, I sometimes I have a hard time when he works with me in the ring just keeping my shit together without laughing because his facial expressions are just to die for. Um, and the way he fucks with me when he's getting on me uh, – <laughs> It's, it's just incredible, man. The guy is awesome. I mean, and, and I don't care, like you said, and any character they put in, he gives 100% at it, and he's good at every single one of them. Right. He has not been one bad character yet. No. Not one. No, because I first saw him when he started there with uh, Team Canada, with him and Scott Demore and Bobby Roode, and I believe, was it A- A1 was in it? Was that? Oh, uh, yeah, I believe so. And then um, Petey, right? Petey Williams was in How can I forget Petey? Jeez, man, I, I feel terrible now. Um. But yeah, it was just time and time again. His stuff, you, he could look, he could be the serious wrestler, but he, he can also be the comedic wrestler, and he can also beat the living piss out of you kind of wrestler too. Where you could have those matches like with like Bully Ray or Abyss, any guys like that, and just really have those dra- knockout dragout fights. But he could also have um, things like he did with ODB there. Yeah. Uh, did you ever did you ever go back and see when um, she performed her song on Impact? ODB. Or, no, uh, Mickey James performed. I'm sorry, I went off topic with that, but I'm, oh, I got so, yeah. Oh my God! It is, you have to go back if you have not seen this, folks. Uh, Mickey James decided, or not Mickey James decided, but Mickey James sang her hardcore country song live right. sure. on Impact Wrestling. And Ewan came out with her and was in this ridiculous cowboy getup with thongs on, and was hitting the cowbell. It's <laughs> like, it, oh my god! And then he turned around where you could see his arse, and he was going to the beat. It was just, oh my god! It was so freaking hilarious. You got to see it. Yeah, I remember seeing. I forgot. I thought I was like scrolling through YouTube or something one day, and that came up, and I'm like. Oh, this is interesting because I saw Mickey James was singing. I'm like, oh, I want to hear her, hear her music and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, there's EY. It's like you can't you, when you see that type of stuff, you can't help but smile, man. He, he's that type of guy that he gets a reaction out of you no matter what. Well, you you try and work with that guy and try and keep your face straight. 
I can't even keep my straight my face straight when I'm watching a match. Let alone, I can't imagine how you are when you're in the ring with them. You ought to see the way we greet each other every loop. That's something to behold, dude. <laughs> maybe that's something we go. I know he's on the schedule for later in the year, so maybe that's something we can chat about too once uh, with that time comes. But uh, something that broke today uh, that I sent you uh, this afternoon, um, Ric Flair will make the walk to the ring one final time, or at least that's what he says. Uh, according to sources told ESPN.com, uh, he will perform one last match July 31st. Uh, Flair, who's 30 or 73 at this time, will step into the ring at the Nashville Fairgrounds on an independent card, which will be streamed on fight.tv. Uh, so this is going to coincide with StarCast that was announced uh, by Conrad Thompson this past week. Um, Flair's final match took place at WWE SummerSlam that was also in Nashville. Uh, and then I'm trying to think here. Um, he now had they're, saying with, they're saying with Crockett Promotions, right? They say it with JCP. So I don't know how JCP is going to be involved with it. If that's going to be David, um, um, uh, Jimmy, right? There'll be Jim or Jim Crockett. No, Jim Crockett Jr. passed. It was David David Crockett still with us. Yeah, he would so, be the only one would that would do it. So this has nothing to do with the NWN. Mm-mm. Not my understanding. It's going to be a, it's an independent show um, that will take place immediately after Starcast um, at the fairgrounds. So there's got to be some sort of maybe some sort of tie into it. I don't know. I know for a fact that he's definitely wrestling rumoring innuendo is according to fightful that I sent to you happened to come out probably about an hour or so ago is that the thought was he was going to be tagging with Ricky steamboat and or facing him in a tag team match. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know who obviously being 73, He's not going to be able to a go that long, and b, uh, you know, go one on one with anybody because he's going to need that rest time. Because Chris, okay. at seventy three. All right, RJ, hold up, please. All right, so <laughs> Ric Flair, I love you, but what the fuck are you thinking, bud? This man is seventy three years old, has a pacemaker, is not in the best of health or in the best of shape. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, not, I'm not anything exciting about this to me at all. Nothing. Um, now, if he was coming out and gimmick to walk down the aisle with his daughter or something like that, or something like that, I, yeah, fine. This, this to me is ridiculous. It, it really is. Um, I know how my father is, and I can almost bet you my father is in better health than Ric Flair. They're probably equal on the uh, – alcoholic but i can tell you right now i've seen my dad do his thing which is nowhere near what rick flair is going to have to do to take a bump get up feed whatever he's going to do I, I, i'm I, like i said i love rick flair but i think that this is not gonna i think this is going to tarnish more than it's going to be helping his legacy and i'm just not i'm not excited about it i really think it's stupid uh, you know and if it's about money i guess you gotta do what you gotta do uh but i don't know it, to me there's nothing positive about this nothing not one thing yeah, because he ended up having that run there in TNA too. Um, 
after he left WWE there after his retirement match there with Sean at WrestleMania. Um, and then we saw him um, uh, make an appearance there at AAA in Mexico City this past August with uh, Charlotte's fiance, Andrade, uh, which he faced the, um, it was a headliner for Kenny Omega with Kenny Omega there. And Flair kind of got a little physical during that, but it was just a matter of, hey, he's chopping and figure four kind of thing. So, okay, that's fun. Yeah, that's that's fun. But I'm saying to have a legit match and it's also going to be with Ricky Steamboat against Ricky Mm -hmm. Steamboat. I I don't know. Uh, You know, people will be mad at me and that's fine. I'm not here to make friends. I just want I'm speaking the truth and uh, I'm not excited about this. Nothing. There's nothing exciting about this to me. I think it's sad. I, I, I really do. I think um, I, I just don't know what he's thinking. And I think it's probably egos just in his way. I mean, and he wants to, to feel that again. And I, and I get that part. I do. But I'd be damned if I was going to be barely able to get up and down and, and try and do – I don't care if it's just four minutes that he's in the match or a 20-minute main event or whatever it may be. That's four minutes too long. And that's just my opinion. And I'm sure he's going to go out and he's going to probably be fine. But we don't know that. Neither does he. And, I mean, that's just the thing, you know. And he's definitely 73, 74, correct? 73. Okay. Well, I mean, the guy did everything he could in the world. I mean, there's nothing more the guy's got left on the table. But he's going to work an indie show and put his life, you know, at, at, at stake and his legacy in jeopardy, in my opinion. And a lot of people may not judge him for this at all. But you know what? There's going to be a lot of people that will. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that pay the tickets. Tickets actually go on sale, Brian. I saw here um, and available for pay-per-view streaming as well. But they'll uh, tickets will go on sale uh, May 27th at noon. Um, so if you're going to be in the Nashville area and you want to see Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, feel free. Go over and pay your tickets. And <clears throat> excuse me, StarCast is there as well. So go pay homage to a lot of the greats of uh, professional wrestling's current and past and, and future possibly there at Starcast five uh so it's definitely going to be a time there in nashville man it's SummerSlam weekend as well so uh who knows what's going to happen at this point but one thing i know for sure is we got our second count of this episode so this week we're dedicating our episode to the uh doctor of thugonomics the prototype otherwise wise known as Mr. John Cena, a guy that you were very familiar with with your run there in the WWE on WWE and SmackDown. Uh, was that the first time you saw him or did you see him out towards uh, UPW Ultimate Pro Wrestling out in California? No, I didn't see him. And so he got to uh, out of OVW and into um, the WWE. And I was actually one of his first referees that he was uh when he was introduced on tv yeah because that was when he was uh that was his introduction with uh with, was it the, with kurt right yes uh he was i remember he was wearing green green yeah. tights um jacked like a motherfucker mm-hmm. and um was thrusted onto the scene of wwe as john cena with no character well, but the thing, but he made it work. He got it over though, man. Just a ruthless aggression, you know? Well, Kurt Angle got it over. Let's well, put it that way. Well, okay. Yeah. Kurt Angle got him over. And, uh, you know, another thing I, I'd be, 
disappointing a lot of people if I didn't bring this up, Ryan, is the rap battle that you were a part of with him and Kurt uh, there on SmackDown. But I actually have a surprise for you, Brian. Let's uh, let's send it up and uh, let's listen to this real quick. Hey, rap. You do that beatbox thing, right? I've seen you do that beatbox thing. Come on in here. Grab a microphone. Get in here. Oh, that's the kid having with the funny tongue. Funny tongue? Yeah, his tongue All makes right, I, I, I want you to give me a, a beat, okay? Give me a funky beat, something like that. Something cool. You know what? You remind me of that police academy guy. That's pretty good. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Look at Kurt. He's a nut. The name is Kurt Angle, and what the heck? I want to go metal with a broken freaking neck. Cause we ain't friends I'm moving on up like the Jeffersons <laughs> Oh my god You don't scare me, no, no, no <laughs> I may suck, but you just won't Alright Brian, so that was your f- famous beatbox rap battle there with Kurt Angle and John Cena. Uh, that was July the 10th, 2003. Yes. Now I know we've chatted about this privately. We haven't really chatted about it on the, on the pod. Was this something that, uh, you know, that everybody knew that you could do and they said, okay, well, Cena's kind of in this rap gimmick here. Let's get some sort of get you involved. I know we briefly talked about it when we talked about Kurt earlier on. Well, what happened to lead into this was that we were overseas um, on quite a few trips, and there was a bunch of us that would be in the back of the plane, the charter planes, um, and because obviously you can't do this when I'm talking about on a commercial plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would get on the uh, planes and we'd go to the certain section where, you know, you had the likes of John Cena and you had Shelton Benjamins and you had Jamie Nobles and Billy Kidman's and um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. Um, Randy Orton. Um, we all kind of had our like little group that turned into like this rap group where we would just start rapping on each other and things of that and back and forth and trying to cut each other down, kind of like battle rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like we saw on, uh, what you just showed again, thanks for embarrassing me. Um, <laughs> well, it, it lives on YouTube, so it can't go that, you can't be embarrassed that much. If it's out on YouTube, everybody can see it now. No, I'm not embarrassed. I mean, it's just, it's just weird to see something that long ago that I did. And I look so different and weird and I don't know. It's just crazy to see, well, but I mean, no fans well, put it, it over there. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you look weird now. Well, I'm just weirder. You know what I mean? Well, weirder and wiser, right? Yes, well, definitely wiser. Maybe. Definitely wiser. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we're on the plane, and um, 
basically I felt the need to give them a beat because it was missing that. They were just doing it freestyle with no beats. And I could beatbox and I decided to start doing it. Well, Lord behold, uh, Stephanie McMahon hears it from where she was sitting. And I guess she's the one that initiated this whole setup. Um, they went to John with it, actually, and John loved it. Uh, he was like, yes, let's get Heavener involved. So, yeah, so that's, that, that, that's what happened. That's how it all got started was on a commercial plane overseas. Yeah, so that was probably early 2000s then, right? Before yeah, we were, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, because, you know, he would have a couple dark matches there on SmackDown in October and March of 2000. Being one-on-one, he'd lose to Mikey Richardson, and he would actually beat Aaron Aguilera, who we'd la- later see Aaron ended up becoming um, Carlito's um, bodyguard, which then they would end up having that storyline uh, over the U.S. title. Uh, Did not later, realize that. Later on. Yeah, yeah. No, that was um, – hold on. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, no, did you – coming in, did you think that the prototype – did you ever see the character, the prototype in OVW? I did, Yes. Did you think that that could have translated into WWE or is that more of like, hey, it's kind of like an OVW kind of thing. You don't think it could have gotten over with uh, the big company. I, I don't think it was the right type of gimmick at that time. Okay. In WWE. Sure. Um, but I did see it. I was um, kind of at all with it, but I mean, but I, yeah, at that time during the WWE days, I don't, I don't think that that character was something it kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say it. Um <laughs> Uh, it reminded them probably of another gimmick for another company, probably. Yeah, no, I, I get, I, I get you, I get you to throwing down there. I'm sure a lot of people can can kind of figure that one out too. But another thing that we, he's really associated with outside of the the uh, prototype is outside of you know Doctor Thogonomics. We'll get to in a bit, but it's that class of 2002 of OVW graduates, you had Cena. Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, Batista, Shelton Benjamin. Just an unbelievable amount of talent coming out of that class. Uh, Obviously, we're still seeing Brock and and, um, Shelton and Randy today. Uh, But are you surprised of how how much of that class was just made such an impact earlier on? Um, No, I'm not. Um, I saw... Everyone you just named, um, including the Bastion brothers. I don't know if you uh, remember them or not. Yeah, oh yeah. Tag team. Um, They were also in that class. Uh, I just thought that, yeah, I knew it was going to be a promising uh, bunch of group of kids that came out of OVW. And you have to remember back then, you know, these guys were being scouted by your uh, Gerald Briscoe and your JR, Jim Mm -hmm. Ross. Yeah. Uh, So those are two legendary minds. And still to this day, can have the knack of finding talent. I mean, so this was what their role was. And these are the guys they recruited. Yeah. And I'm sure Gerald Briscoe could uh, still stretch everybody out like, uh, like he did back in the day. Yeah. I'll, uh, I don't want no parts of that guy. He's a, he, I, I've seen, I, I've had the luxury of having uh, been on a couple of zooms with him for AFS and uh, just a wealth of knowledge. And I'm like, I am not definitely not crossing him. I can tell you that much being no, a, not, not at all the legacy that he's left uh, in the business. But uh, 
so he becomes a doctor of thugonomics in 2002. Uh, Are you you surprised how well that got over? Because that ran for pretty much a good two to three years until they kind of made a transition to another gimmick, I guess you could call it. Well, at first, you have to remember, it, 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 at first it didn't get over. It was it was a heat magnet, you right. know, which is good. They wanted him to have heat. But I don't know if that's really what they wanted or not, to be honest with you. I think they just went with the flow of it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, no, the, I mean, the, the gimmicks what put him on the map, for sure. Um, and it was him. That was his gimmick. That was what he wanted to do. That was what sure. – they were like, what, 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 what do you want to do? Uh, what makes you feel like John Cena? And that's what he wanted to do. And um, I was surprised how big it caught on after the heat. So, in other words, the, the next phase of Thugonomics, I was very surprised at that, mm. if that makes any sense. No, yeah, because that's pretty much what that 2002, that, that was that time. Because I, I don't want to, I'll probably make you feel old, but I was at, in 2002, I was graduating from high school. And well, good for you, RJ. Good for you. Just the fact I was graduating high school, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact you even graduated. Way to rub it in. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I and I graduated that. college, so there's two up on you then. Craig, man, right, geez. You got me there. All right. Got to rub that's it. Tough. No, that's fine. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll switch. You can go back to college. I'll go referee for uh, for 20 years. Um, but uh, no, okay. that, was in, <laughs> that was June of 2002 by October. He's being tagged with uh, Billy Kidman, who another guy that criminally underrated, still working for the company behind the scenes. Um, and they took part in the team, uh, tag team tournament to crown the first WWE tag team champions. Uh, so it, it's really thrusting him onto you know, the limelight, man. And I, did you really think they knew what they had in him? Or were they just kind of, hey, we'll throw him out there. If he sinks, he sinks. If he swims, he swims kind of thing. No, I think I think I think they realized they had something and just didn't know what to do and how to do it. Sure. Um, and, and and that happens with a lot of people. So that's not saying anything bad about WWE or any company. Sometimes you don't really realize what you have until you figure that niche. And I think that's what truly happened with Cena was that they uh, knew they had something but didn't know how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, because the putting guy, I think Billy Kidman is just one of those guys that just had a good mind for the business, and you put him puts you know with him it's just like okay you're kind of really you're you're gonna go with something ultimately they get uh you know they get defeated through the tournament and they'd actually end up having a feud there and uh you know cena would have uh, end up going over on him in october uh, of, of that year so with that get to the halloween it was that famous skit with him and stephanie where cena was dressed up as vanilla ice yeah. What are the odds you think that he still has that getup? Oh, he's got it for sure. You think so? Oh, yeah. What do you, what do you think? John Cena's hawking his shit, though? No, there ain't no way. No, he's not getting rid of that stuff. Come on. He's no. got to save that for a rainy day, even if I'm sure he probably still wears it around the house every once in a while. Oh, dude, he's a kid, man. He's a, he's a big, big kid. Now, is that <laughs> – was there anything – you said a lot of overseas stuff when he was on SmackDown before he went obviously over to raw, was he like the utmost respected backstage? 
with a lot no, of the he, boys? No, he did. He definitely was. I mean, you have to remember, um, I actually got uh, some opportunities to ride with John. Um, and I know people that have listened to my episodes from one to now are probably thinking, Jesus, Brian, you rode with everybody. Well, I really have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I rode with John for a little bit and uh, we got along great. Me and him were one of these guys, you know, two people that just really hit right away. And uh, uh, it was probably because we related a lot in music. Uh, we related a lot in, you know, just um, thoughts and opinions of life. Um, that you have to remember, John did not drink um, at all. He was uh, sober rover. Um, he didn't do any, nothing. He did nothing. Uh, he worked out, ate a shit ton of food, and uh, worked out. That was that was what he did. And I remember riding with him, and we went through a drive-through. And when we were going through this drive-through, I was obviously trying to get to the hotel as fast as possible because. As much as he likes food, I like beer. So I was trying to get back to the hotel to get my beer, but he was stopping me because he was wanting to get his food. <clears throat> so I had to go along with that. So it ended up working out because he bought me food for later on in the night. So it, I was talking to him about where he thought and wanted to go. And he had told me, he says, you know what? I just want to be as big as I can be. I want that little house on top of the hill. Is what he told me. I want that little white house that's on top of the hill. I don't want the biggest white house. I want the littlest white house, the cutest white house on top of the hill. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. Um, but in the context of our conversation that night we were having was that he was being obviously very humble. And I think he was saying that obviously he doesn't know where he is now then, but Right. I don't think he has a little white house on top of the hill, but I think what he meant was to be able to afford land on top of a on top of a uh, mountain with a smaller home to say that's that I got what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of what most people would say, I want the biggest house that's on the coast of Los Angeles. You know what I mean, like or Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So. And you have to remember, the guy was young as shit then, and I was old as shit still at that point. <laughs> so so I, unless there's context I'm not knowing about that people his age were talking about, yeah. I, I, I took it that way. So right. it was just a very interesting little nip a piece of news that he told me. Yeah. And he was very humble, though. And he was really a funny guy. And, uh, just, you know, really fun to ride with, too. He always wanted to drive. That was great. Um, <laughs> he always bought. That was great. So, yeah, and our conversations were not much, really, because we both were into music and we would just put on our old school rap and we would just ride down the road. It was pretty awesome. He's, he's, he's a really funny guy. Though. Was it just you and John there or was there a third or fourth in the car? Or? No, for, for some reason, it was just me and John. I think he was, and I'm not being funny when I say this, but it is yeah. funny. But I think it's because at that point in time, he had the rental car gimmick where WWE paid for it. Yeah. And um, me being a smart veteran, I picked up on that. And uh, I think I was just literally trying to get that ride uh, yeah. at that point in time before I really knew him. So I was like, I know this guy's going to give me a ride. I'm Brian Hebner, and he's trying to figure out who the fuck John Cena is, right. you know, kind of thing. So, and then of course, that's sometimes how you become really good friends and, and become, you know, road buddies. Yeah. You know, because there's always that famous, I, I don't remember if you remember the, uh, 
backstage segment with him and Undertaker after one of Cena's matches, where Taker just asked him, Oh, what's his, what's your name, kid? And John Cena, blah, blah, blah. Said, oh, good match and handshake. And that was kind of kind of like the passing of the torch or saying, Hey, kid, you're all right. You, you're good with me, kind of thing. Did you yes. remember seeing that? I do, actually. Yes, I do. And the reason why that was all done is basically, and I wouldn't say you're saying the wrong word, but I think of it differently than you do, maybe. Passing the torch, I don't think would be the right word. I think it was, you're here in open arms, you're going to be a star, and I want everybody here to know it. Right. So, hey, kind, that's kind of like, hey, you're, you're okay, you're, you got a, not so much you got a friend in me kind of thing, but you're going to go places, kid. Yes, yes. Strictly, yes. I do believe that's why that was done. Now, are you surprised that he's, he's made such a name for himself in Hollywood? Was that, was that something that you saw earlier on with him when you were riding with him? Never, never. Uh, never thought he'd be a movie star. No. I thought he'd be what he was. I thought he'd yeah. be some high, charismatic, huge character. Um, you know, you got to remember, like, John's a big dude, man. Like, everything, he, his ears are big. His nose is big. His mouth is big. His hands are big. His butt's big. His legs are huge. His arms, you know what I mean? Like, that's a big dude. So he's a larger-than-life character, for real. Like, he really, really is. Uh, and he really believed in his own abilities. He really believed in himself and believed that he could do whatever. And obviously, if he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. So who do you think – and I, 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 I don't really want to compare this, but it's kind of a close comparison – is Kurt Angle's first year in the business – compared to John Cena's first year in the business. We'll say first couple of years. We'll give him two years. 2004, he's already winning uh, the U.S. title here at WrestleMania. Kurt Angle's winning <coughs> three different titles. He's winning um, the WWE t- Championship. Cena's in a match against Big Show and Kurt Angle at No Way Out in 2004 for the WWE Championship. Do you think they had the best years as possible, or do you think one is better than the other? I just don't know how you can, I guess you, you're saying Cena would be the closest, but yeah, Kurt had the bigger start, man. I mean, Kurt just came out the gate fired, like just on fire. Um, I don't see what John did is bigger than Kurt though. I don't because what, uh, and I could be wrong. And I know you, you probably know, um, I believe Kurt was world champion in his second year, if not third. Because I think he ended up winning it within his first year, year and a half. There you go. The company. So, yeah. Wrong, I, I'm not you know, saying anything's wrong with winning the U.S. title, but or anything you know, like that, and all the coaches right. have. But what I'm saying is, come on, man, you're coming from the Olympics, not even our wrestling background kind of thing, and coming right in and winning a world title, basically right out the gate. That's that's really cool to do out the jump. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit here just so we, I wanted to make sure we touched on this too, is this whole feud that Cena would later have in 2011 uh, money in the bank with uh, CM Punk is this whole pipe bomb promo that Punk did. Hey, I'm going to leave with the championship at money in the bank in 2011 at in Chicago was CM Punk one of his best rivalries, do you think? Or do you think somebody else was one of his best rivalries? I don't know, man. He had a lot of good ones, too. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we did this with um, The Rock yeah. as well. And 
I, I really find that, that that to be kind of like the same difficulty as far as figuring that out. Uh, sure. I mean, everybody obviously is going to have their own opinion, but I don't know, man. John Cena and um, Brock were big. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because they John- rock and rock and us, or excuse me, rock and uh, Cena had that match at WrestleMania 28, which ironically enough, WrestleMania 18, Rock faced Hogan in that era's, hey, Babe Ruth versus Barry Bonds. Okay, WrestleMania 28, 10 years later, it's Cena versus The Rock. It's kind of like The Rock being that Hogan-esque character and Cena's being The Rock character at that time. So it's kind of interesting to kind of compare that. Yeah, no, no, true, true. Um, you know, when you have such a long tenure like like Cena and The Rock, I mean, it, there's just so many invaluable um, matchups that they went through and, and, and rivalries and stuff. So, you know, it's just tough. Um, who, who do you think would be his best rivalry in your opinion? Man, I really think he had the hell of a rivalry with guys like Edge. And yeah. he had a lot of good stuff with Randy Orton, too, that you can't really – um, you can't really put that behind it, but even stuff, man, it's like you said, he's had so many great rivalries. You can throw Taker in there. You can throw, he came back when he came back in, uh, 2017, when everybody counted him out, Hey, he's retired. He ain't coming back. He came back at the Royal rumble to defeat AJ Styles to win the WWE championship. Right. And Ty Rick and Ty Rick flair at 16 heavyweight championships. Dude, he'd obviously he'd lose it two weeks later against Bray Wyatt, but it's like, dude, dude's literally have, has done it all. And I don't think we've seen the last of him because I think down the road, if I'm, I'm booking it, I'm really playing it as uh, John Cena is come and come back for one more match to get that 17 and be the uh, most recognized Heavyweight championship runs. You mean like you think he come back to face like a Roman Reigns at a WrestleMania? I would book it. Have you, John Cena? I the way that John Cena and you know him better than everybody too. Being riding with him, he's in. I'm sure he's in great shape. And if not, he can get in great shape like that. Well, but, no, he, he he stays in great shape. But that that's the way that guy is. You're never gonna catch that guy with a belly. Yeah. But, but obviously in ring shape and in like in ring shape and in shape are two totally different things as you know, but I still think it's a possibility because you're seeing guys that are um, in their fifties. You got uh, Jericho still going, got uh, Dustin Rhodes is still going strong and shit, I, I, I wouldn't mind it. You, you, you got rock just turned 50. He can probably come back. So Cena's younger than him. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I would see. Yeah, I could see that happening, but I I, I can't see it for a world title. Right? You don't think so? No, I think it'd be a special match or attraction. I don't I don't, I don't think that you would find a guy that's part time that comes back part time to to go over to win seventeen titles. I I don't feel like that that's something that they would do. Now, do you do you think we'll end on this and then we'll go talk about our match for this week that you're a part of with John? A lot of people are. If you listen to Busted Open, um, Bully Ray and Dave LaCrocca have had this discussion argument 
do you recognize John Cena as the uh, heavy, like the longest reign heavyweight champion amount of times, or is it Flair? But Flair, keep in mind, he's done it over multiple promotions. WWE still recognizes that, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Comparing Flair and Cena is two different ways to me. Right. Um, what Cena's done is remarkable, and yeah. it's actually just incredible. Um, and I'm hoping we touch on this later, and I won't get into great detail because I'm sure we will, but especially at the towards the end. Uh, but you know, once again, he's one of those guys, and you know, I don't need to apologize because it is what it is, and I think most people realize this. John was not the best wrestler in the world. Uh, John wasn't even close to being the best wrestler in the world. But John was good at what he did in the ring. He was really good. And he could have a match with anybody. So, mm -hmm. you know, he had good talent. It's not that. But he was not a Ric Flair in the ring. Um, sure. and, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. But I was just saying that he was he knew what he was really good at, knew what he really wasn't. And he stayed away from that. And that's what's something that I wish everybody could do is know as an up-and-coming wrestler or one that's starting to start their career, Realize if you're not good at something in some phase on the mat or whatever it may be, don't do it or stay away from it. And he did a good job of that. So he only highlighted the good things he was at. And I just take my hand off to that. And he, he was remarkable as far as that goes. But yeah. box office and all that stuff, I'm sure we'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, so, no, you got to – I'm still taking Flair over Cena as far as being the greatest world champion ever. Another guy that's a box off his head is our good buddy, Jared Fritz. So let's send it up to him. Could you use a little lifestyle change? Would having a personal coach to help you along the way be what you're looking for? How about checking out Avacare independent distributor, Jared Fritz? Not only is Jared a referee for the NWA, but he has been in the health and wellness industry for over 18 years. He's worked with a range of people from Olympic athletes to professional wrestlers to the average everyday person. But why Advocare? Established and running strong since 1993, Advocare has had a variety of products from weight management, sports performance, and overall health. Advocare products are developed by a scientific medical advisory board who are committed to make sure the products are safe and effective. Need more of a reason to consider Advocare? As some of the sports endorsers, such as Jason Witten, Rich Froning, or a national spokesperson, Drew Brees. If you are ready for a jump start or are looking for information, just reach out to Jared on Twitter at jfritzreffit, Instagram at jared.fritz, or visit the website at leadyourbetterlifestyle.com. Advocare, helping you look, feel, and perform better. Brian, our match that we're going over this week is from August 2003 versus The Undertaker. This is actually a rematch from the Vengeance uh, pay-per-view that they had where Undertaker ended up beating Cena. 
Um, if you guys want to watch this match, it is on Peacock. Uh, just go August 7th, 2003 episode of SmackDown. It's actually right at the 35 minute mark. Um, and you can follow along with us, but you know, John at this time, still the doctor thugonomics wrapping him's way to the ring, wrapping on the undertaker. Did you, how was it for you to actually have him come out to that and not laugh? It was for, for me or him. Shit. Oh, either one. <laughs> well, he, 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 he could do it probably if he wanted to laugh. Cause I mean, you know, but me personally, I'm not supposed to do that. I mean, that's, Showing a favoritism and B Undertaker would whip my ass. So sure, not 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 trying to go there. So that would be one of those ones where I would turn around and look at Chemo and not see his fat face and just get mad. <laughs> I love you, Chemo. Um, but but no, um, it was there, there. There's been so many moments in my career that I'm surprised I can get fired over from laughing because there's been so many comical things I've been able to be blessed to be part of, and John Cena is definitely one of them. So obviously we had the Undertaker episode uh, a few episodes ago, but we're seeing the big evil version of the Undertaker here, which dude, dude reinvented himself time and time again. Do you think that's something that Cena looked at coming in and said, Hey, I want to take hitch my hitch, my trailer to this guy and learn everything I can from him to see what I can do for myself. To absolutely to reinvent myself. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure Taker sat down many nights, many days, um, and talked to him about that. Um, Taker knows the art of doing that, obviously. Yeah. Um, look at him. Um, but, no, Cena was a huge, huge, huge wrestling fan. Um, huge. And that transpired into what he was. He was a sponge. He took all the advice that anyone could give him going from the undertaker to the rock to Austin. And they all were able to and willing to give him information. And that guy just knowing the way Cena was, is going to take and use all that sources he was getting and make himself a better, let's just say a better ball player. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's going to play ball and he's going to do it at a high level and he's going to know all the tricks in the trade. So this was a second match. Like I mentioned that they had, um, you know, recently to this date in 2003, did, were they comfortable enough where they basically John just went to take her later on throughout the day, or were they talking about it throughout the week? Were they talking about it throughout the day? Were you involved in any of that? Uh, no, this, this was a day of, this was a day of put together kind of thing because back then um, maybe the undertaker might've been, I don't know, but you know, most folks weren't privy to what was happening on the show that week you get to the building and you find out what you're doing. Um, obviously, if you're in a story or a program, you may know a little bit more and know, you know, what's going to happen. And this could be the case with John and uh, uh, Undertaker. Uh, but, no, this this match was totally put together and talked about that day uh, at the show. And where did you say it was? Canada, my favorite place? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes, the wonderful Canada. <laughs> The great white North, right? Uh, oh, my Earl Hebner loves you guys. Especially on Montreal, right, man? Oh, that was his favorite spot. He goes on vacations there now. No, I, I, I keep uh, keep saying to my co-host on Ringside Rant, Justin, he's a huge Bret Hart fan. So I said, hey, uh, by the way, your, your buddy, the Hebner family said hello to you again. And he <laughs> said that uh, 
you know, Bret Hart's still number one in their hires, but um, anyway, don't, don't, don't look mad at me. I didn't do anything. <laughs> no, he's just, he just, he just read me and like, my butt. Oh, come on, man. And just uh, like, killing me, man. Killing me. Uh, so Cena has always been known as, you know, the five moves of doom, five moves of Cena, whatever the hell you want to call it. As you talked about earlier, Cena didn't do everything that you see, you know, nowadays. He didn't go up to the top that often. You know, he did his moves and he did them perfectly. No, that's what I mean. He yeah. did what he did best. And that's what he stuck to. Um, you know, you go back and you look at Flair, too. Flair's got all these signature things he does. All your great, big megastars had their go-to. And it's what it was. And like, so if Cena were breaking into business and work the way he worked now, like he did then, I don't, I don't know if he'd be such a big star, honestly, because everybody wants now, unfortunately, everybody jumping off, you know, the, the, a 20 foot ladder or jumping off a fucking rafter or whatever it may be, you know, just to get a pop because they want to see somebody basically half fucking dead. Um, to me, what John Cena did was fine. I'm not knocking him. All I'm saying is he wasn't a, a Kurt Angle. He wasn't a Triple H. He wasn't, um, you know, he, he wasn't a technical wrestler. He was a wrestler with um, moves, like you said. And I've never heard that that term, by the way, the five. Five moves of doom? Never heard that. Um, and not saying that I'm not agreeing with it. But he did it well, every, every, all five of them. I mean, the you can't see me, the big shoulder tackle with his comeback, yeah. you know, his finish. I mean, you know, he was really good at letting, you know, getting, getting, uh, when the heat was on him, he was really good at selling, which means a lot because it makes all the other guys moves a lot better. Yeah. So he understood what he was doing. Um, and he's so big, that's probably why he couldn't do a lot of stuff to begin with. Right. You know, and, and, and it's funny because everybody always wants to make fun of Cena. I was always a big John Cena fan growing up. And uh, everybody used to make fun. Oh, he does this. He only does the five moves. I'm like, okay, this is my this is my defense for it. I said, okay, go watch a Ric Flair match. Go watch a Bret Hart match. Go watch a Hulk Hogan match. Go watch an Austin match or a Rock match. There's five guys right there. They did the same That's stuff majority of the time, and you know what? They got them over. So same same move sets. Same move sets. Yeah. But people were so accustomed to them when they started to do those move sets. What they start doing? They started popping because they knew it was next, and they loved that they did. Mm -hmm. Hogan's gonna throw the fucking three punches. Mm -hmm. Then you're gonna get the you, and then you're gonna get uh, you know the, the boot and the shoot and the big boot. You know what I mean? Like everybody knew it. Same with Brett. Same with the five you just named, and we can go back and do all of them. We all know them. I mean, they all know Johns as well. So what does that say? Right. Oh, well, they got they got over though. But why do you, well? Why do you think John Cena just didn't? You know, everybody booed him with, with his theme music. John Cena sucks. Do you think it was just a matter of the time? You know, the era that he came up in compared to the rest of these guys. No, I just think, in my opinion, I mean, and this could be crazy. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying it's my opinion. I think that the fans kind of had a flip like of age they went mm -hmm. through and and there was a different regime of fans and i think they saw this character to, for a long time and were like you know what fuck this guy 
mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, nothing against John, obviously, just against the character. And we're kind of like done with it and done cheering it. And it was how long was he a baby? I don't think he really ever really turned I, I, after, you know, going from the Dr. Thogonomics earlier on in his career. After that, he was pretty much a baby face because, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, he should have done this. He should have done that. He should have turned heel. They say the same shit with Roman Reigns. And now they've d- pulled the cord on that. But with, with Cena, I just think that they played it the right way because he was in that era where it was more driven towards the kids and cena was that got that face for the kids he wore the t-shirts the bright colored t-shirts he wore the armbands all this crap that kids can get and they're still getting to this day that's that's his niche that's that's exactly. where he yes that's where he's smarter than most right um but that doesn't change the fact that people got tired of the character right um, but everybody gets tired with characters every once in a while you know what i mean and it's just like it's the same thing happened to the rock you know, die, Rocky, die. And then, you know, Hollywood rock because they got pissed off. Oh, he came back. Well, screw him. Go back to Hollywood kind of thing. You know, I tell you, you wrestling fans are so finicky. Gosh. Oh, God, yeah. You know what? That's <laughs> you never know. And say, if, if you think something's going to change, just go on Twitter or something. It'll change in five seconds. Everybody will get pissed off over something. Yeah. Uh, so back to this match, did you think that these couple of matches that John had with Undertaker were more of a learning experience than really trying to test the waters on his, you know, his likability with the crowd? Oh, I definitely think it was a test market kind of thing for him. Um, I think they were trying to figure out if he could work with a veteran like the, uh, an Undertaker with um, all this, uh, what, how do I want to say it? Um, Obviously, experience, but there was another word I was looking for. But anyway, with all this experience, who could work, do any style basically, except, you know, Undertaker's not going to jump off the ropes and stuff, but mm-hmm. but could do any type of match. Uh, and I think this was a way also to put him in a class that says, you know what? He's the shit and he's going to, he, he's one of our major players moving forward. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to establish some more and get that rub. I think at that point in time, that was when they decided, you know, yes, let's, let's run a program with Taker. And I believe in this match that I did that was on SmackDown was 15, 20 minutes, something like that. It was a double segger. Yeah, it was a um, 20, about, give or take, about 21-minute match. Uh, and honestly, just going back and watching, it doesn't really feel like, like it was that long of a match, to be honest with you, because there was so much going on with it. Uh, just two things to bring up here, if you remember it, is I saw something here. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but Undertaker goes for a big boot. You go down. Was that something that you, you thought that he was going to do something, or was it just planned that you kind of, okay, I got to get out of the way kind of thing? So explain to me the moveset you're talking about. So Cena goes for, or, uh, excuse me, Taker goes uh, for a big boot on Cena. He ducks. He goes after you. We, you go down. Was that supposed to be a bump or were you supposed to actually get out of the way? Uh, I can't remember RJ. Uh, it must've been something. What happened right after that? They ended up going to close to the, they ended up taking it home after that, after then, after that, then you took the bump 
where Cena gets pushed into you, you go out, he gets pushed into you by Taker, and then okay. you bounce off the ropes and you go down. And then so A-Train was- and then A-Train comes out. So I think that was a spot to lead up to the ref ball. Okay. Where it's like chaos everywhere kind of thing. Sure. Um, okay. I know we did uh, in that match as well, the uh, famous Undertaker heat spot where he scared me out of the ring. Yeah. Was that a, is that a typical thing that you did with him? Yes. Yes. That, that was something me and him created, which was really cool. Uh, yep. So he would just do give me the famous turn, slow turn, look at me like, fuck you kind of thing. And I would just like, oh, shit. Yeah. And just like run and then like, dive outside the ring and stumble to the ground. And then while my back's, you know, trying to gather it together and back to them, that's when we would do the heat spot. Yeah, so we're gonna see, like I said, we're gonna see A-Train come out. They're really setting up this thing towards WrestleMania uh, with him and uh, with A-Train and Taker. And Cena ends up beating the Undertaker with the FU. Was this one of those? You know, I, I talked about the whole segment with him and Taker backstage. Was this something that Undertaker? You know, the writers and the the agents go to the undertaker and said, Hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to put the kid over? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and undertaker has never, never squatted away from trying to get a kid over for the visions of the company he worked for. And John Cena probably, I'm sure he was ecstatic when he found out he was going over, but he wasn't one of the ones that would have cared either. So it was awesome to, to see both of them be able to be themselves and do what they do. And that's, that's, that's be, a friendly, um, friendly guy and knowing the business and understanding why things are happening the way they are. Instead of mm-hmm. some of the guys that we have now bitching and moaning about doing a job on free TV uh, for fuck's sakes, it doesn't even matter. It's not going to, you know, it, it doesn't matter. These were two guys that understood what it meant. Taker could care less about that loss because he knew that it elevated John. And, you know, I'm sure if you were to talk to Taker, I'm sure John would, uh, I mean, uh, Taker, that he would say that he was responsible for a little bit of his popularity and his mm-hmm. longevity. Do you uh, do you think John has to come back? Or do you think his legacy within company, in wrestling in general, do you think it's cemented already? Or do you think he needs to come back to kind of right the ship, kind of go out on his terms, on his way that he wants to? No, I don't think he needs to come back at all. Um, oh. And I believe that about The Rock. And I believe that about Austin. And I believe that about, <clears throat> excuse me, Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just think it's if they want to or um, they get that itch. I understand that. They get the itch. And this is something that all these guys can say whatever they want. You know, when opportunity sees itself, they're going to take advantage of and say, heck, yeah, I work with so-and-so because I know they're great workers and, I can protect my body and still be that draw that they want me to be and make some money for them and make some money for me. Hell yeah. So I get that point of it, but does John Cena need to come back? No. Does John Cena want to come back? Who knows? Right. I don't know where his itch is at. Well, he should, um, he comes back. He comes down. If he, I doubt he's still in Massachusetts, but he can come down the, uh, the highway there, pick you up and you guys could travel out and do a show together for old times sake. Right. Oh, that'd be awesome. You kind of kind of get get those road stories again, right? Well, John drinks now, so we could probably get along much better now. 
<laughs> you know, you know, and the funny thing too, we'll, we'll, we'll close up on this, but the funny thing is though, did you ever see the, um, Oh, what was the stupid thing called? Uh, uh, the, with the Bellas with him and Nikki, when he, him and Nikki were dating. You mean that show? Yeah. yeah. When they did the whole thing about, well, John has to have things certain ways in his house. Do you think that's John being John or was that like, they're trying to paint him as somebody bad. Like you so can't, he had, he had, he had showing, like rules. He had house rules. So showing displays of being OCD. Yeah. Um, I could see that he was a neat packer. Um, yeah. in other words, the way he packed his bag, you can always tell a lot about a person in our locker room, the way they pack their bags. I know that sounds crazy, but, uh, it is, it's kind of like, you can tell a lot about people when you get in their car, uh, when their car looks like ass, I mean, uh, they, they, their house probably looks like ass. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, I'm sure some of that was was some bullshit. And you have to remember, RJ, you know, I could not tell you because I don't watch movies and I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch ESPN. I watch ESPN 1, ESPN 2, ESPN 3, ESPN U, Fox Sports 1. Um, yeah, that's me. Sports all the way. <laughs> so, well, before start, sports start, I do watch a little Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. But. I couldn't tell you a movie him or The Rock have done and watched. I just, I'm not a movie guy. Um, I did see The Tooth Fairy. I don't know why I saw that one, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you got kids. Come on. You had to. Yeah, right? the, there, there you go. And um, I, I don't think I've seen any of Cena's movies, man. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that. I probably should because uh, people put it over and he's, he's been a, a blockbuster star too. So as far as that goes. So, but anyway, so sometimes when I'm not even to, to, to uh, reference shows that you talk about or anything like that. There you uh, go. Because, yeah, I don't watch them. That's, that's, that's fine. Hey, it's, it's like me with wrestling. It's wrestling, sports, and then if I watch, uh, you know, I watch the movies with like Godfather and stuff, the new series they got on that now. Uh, man, I just, yeah, I, I get on a series and I just go. I don't even <laughs> sit there. I watch the whole series. I ended up watching the, uh, did you watch the, uh, I swear to, we'll get back to wrestling. Uh, uh, the Lakers, that Lakers miniseries. Which one? Winning time. Oh, I did. Yes. I just, I watched that entire first season in a weekend. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's addicting. I'm like, holy crap. And it was, a, it was a John C. Riley plays Jerry Buss. Holy yes. crap. Is he good? Yes. Another <laughs> thing. Oh, I'll throw that. And we'll get back to wrestling. Like you said, sorry. Yeah. Um, there is one show I used to watch, and I used to actually wait and physically watch it. Was the Miz's show? Oh, right. It's still Dude, on. It's still on. That's, it's awesome. Oh, it is. Miz and Mrs. That one. Yeah. It's still on. I think I think it's like second or third season. They got like oh. they keep on going. It's on. Uh, it's on E. Yeah, I think it's still on. I cert like Google it when you get when we get off. But I'm pretty. I know they just did another season. Oh, I definitely watched that. He's another dude. He's a, he's a, he's another dude that I'm hope I hope we could get, we'll hope we'll do a show on him soon too. But the dude's freaking, a lot of people don't like him, but he's wouldn't be lasting this long in the business if he wasn't good. No. And the way that guy got into the business is crazy too. But anyway, we're, we're way off. Though. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and so anyways, we'll close shop here and then we'll talk about next week. But at the end of the day, John Cena's, you know, say he doesn't come back. John Cena, the legacy as a professional wrestler. What do you think that legacy is going to be as of right now? 
uh, one of the all-time box office hits for professional wrestling. As far merch as merch movers, merch movers, ticket sellers, people are getting in the stands, kind of thing, right? Yep, absolutely. Nobody's ever going to say he was the best wrestler in the world, but they're going to say he was an awesome guy. Yeah, and did a lot of good things. As far you know, as far as is he a top ten wrestler? No, but is he a top ten draw? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, was Hogan wasn't the best wrestler. Rock wasn't the best wrestler. Austin wasn't the best wrestler. Brett wasn't. Well, Brett, Brett was one of the best wrestlers of all time, of course. But he did it all. But anyways, but no, Cena's on that list, man. Of guys, hey, may not be the best wrestlers in the world, but they'll get your they'll get your money and they get your asses in the seats. That's for sure. Absolutely, and all the kids in the world will be wearing this T-shirt. You know, that's 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 where it's all about. Right, right. And he's got like thirty different colors, anyways. He's got like the whole. Uh, color wheel and t-shirts i think uh but another guy that's really really popular at the time is we're talking about him next week is mr nick aldis so a guy that you're very familiar with too as well uh what's something that we could look forward to uh next week talking to uh talking to nick and going over one of his uh, best matches that he's had up to up to date um man i and I know I've said this before, but I really, 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 really mean this a lot. I uh, really can't wait to uh, talk about him. And um, uh, and I'll say it. It's fine. It doesn't have to be a surprise. It'd be something you look forward to. He's also going to join us on the show. Uh, so we'll get uh, to, to, to hear from him personally. Uh, but I do have a lot of history with him. Um, I have a lot of history with his wife, mm-hmm. uh, Mickey James. I've worked with him quite a bit. Uh, through NWA, uh, TNA, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, and he's a lot, or I would say very well misunderstood by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get onto that, why and all that stuff. But uh, I'm very excited about this. He's a very good friend of mine as well. And uh, another super, super, as Chimel would say, super uh, <laughs> Very underrated wrestler. Uh, and I don't think as much now, but I just think that, uh, yes, very underrated and just can't wait to like really truly dive into Nick Aldis. Yeah. Magnus. <laughs> He'll always be mag. Oh my God. I got to go back and find that picture when he came in as the, uh, uh, what the heck could he come? Uh, Magnus, was it Magnus, Magnus or something? I forgot what his name is early there in TNA when he rolled yeah, the whole. The Roman uh, emperor, I guess you could call him. Yes. Well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> sure, sure. I, 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 I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to get into that. We're, we're starting that podcast right now, actually. Yeah, um, I think but, we are. <laughs> no, but um, I just can't wait, man. It's going to be yeah. great. It's going to be great. I got, I got tons of tons of stories, and um, it's just going to be awesome. It's And I can't wait for him to be on. And uh, I want yeah. you guys to be excited about it, too. So tell all your friends, your family, your friends, your pros, your, just to tell everybody. Yeah, we'll actually go over. We're going to go over his match with Marty Skrull from Crockett Cup 2019. Oh, um, wow. So that if you guys are not aware of that, it is on YouTube. So if you want to check it out, I would highly recommend you do that because it's got a lot of backstory to it. And we're not we'll get into it next week, but there's a lot of backstory to it. But like I said, thank you so much for tuning in this week. You can hit us up on our website at castby.com slash reffing it up. Uh, all the links are there for all platforms are on 
Uh, just want to give another shout out to uh, AJ McKay, as well as Jared Fritz, uh, two great guys that are associated with our show now. Uh, Brian, uh, something that you could want to close out with this evening. Um, well, I just want to say that I really believe that uh, John Cena was quite the entertainer, quite the box office draw. And I'm glad we got to touch on him because I really do feel really close and dear hearted to him. Um, was privileged to work alongside of him and just a great, great overall, just a wonderful guy. Um, so to all you people out there that may not have agreed or got mad at me about not being the greatest wrestler, it, it, it's no knock at all because we named five on our program today who are massive megastars. And he was a massive megastar and still is a massive megastar. Mm. So with that being said, I'm, I'm really glad we got to do this podcast today and cover, you know, John Cena, who was a, a big, big, uh, big influence, a big portion of my career. Uh, so I'm really, really just excited that I was able to talk a little bit about him. And other than that, I just want to say that if you want to hit me up on uh, Twitter, it's at Baby Hebner. And Instagram is also the same thing. It's at Baby Hebner as well. Awesome, man. And uh, we'll uh, see you guys next week right here on Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner with Mr. Nick Aldis. One, two, three.